eerste ervaring. En nu, ladies en gentlemen, uw attention, please. Big decisions have even bigger consequences in the world of marketing leadership, where data informs everything, second chances are rare, and ROI is no longer the only metric that matters. Please join us as we go inside the funnel. Welcome to Inside the Funnel with myself, Nasser Salul, Dan Tambi, and Jenna Watson. And today is almost an auspicious day. Because as of yesterday, it was Jenna's birthday. Happy birthday, Jenna. Thanks, buddy. It sure was. Another successful trip around the sun. When you say today it. today is almost auspicious, that's yeah, a bit yesterday, of tense, but yesterday tense confusion. Was. Today oh, is, Dan. Oh, was, Dan. No, no one cares. <laughs> no one, no cares. one cares. Literally, okay, no we'll one save, cares. We'll save, our, we'll save that for the grammar podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, your side your side hustle podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's my side hustle. <laughs> we'll have the CMO of Grammarly on for that one. Perfect. So did you do anything nice for your birthday, Jenna? I did so many nice things for my birthday, Nasser. I think everybody needs to know about this first thing that I did. I had some hydrotherapy, which I never had heard of before in my entire life, but basically you get a massage in a shower. <laughs> So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. It was glorious. It was the most decadent thing I think I've probably they ever They done. didn't just spray you with the garden hose, Jenna? No. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's, the, good. that's the alternate option. I chose the upscale one, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm sure what everybody wants to know is, was there cake? There was cake, and cake was also had for breakfast this morning. So this is going to be a great podcast, you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Well, happy birthday, Jenna. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, Jenna, actually, you're you're only the second most important person on this podcast. Oh, that's I'm weird. Not ta- I'm not referring to myself <laughs> for once. I'm referring to our special guest um, because today we are talking about B2B and B2B on a global scale. So our special guest today is Bjorn Rada. Bjorn is head of digital marketing at T-Systems International. This is a part of Deutsche Telekom and a leading global provider of digital services based in Frankfurt, Germany. As a long-standing and award-winning expert, he's responsible for all digital marketing touchpoints at T-Systems, including websites, social media, and the social selling program. In addition, Bjorn has also written several books and articles on the topic of digital marketing. Welcome to the show, Bjorn. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much for this nice introduction. I think I will send you afterwards a 20, 20 euros or 20 bucks by PayPal. Is that it? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, my, my rate is much, much higher than that, but, but I appreciate the consideration. And he does accept euros, that's for sure. I know yeah. that's a fact. <laughs> so, so Bjorn, tell me, can you introduce us a little bit to T-Systems International? Um, I think many people are familiar with the parent company, Deutsche Telekom, and with the sister brand, which is the consumer brand, uh, which, of course, is T-Mobile. But tell us a little bit about T-Systems. Yeah, exactly. Most of you know T-Mobile, but T-Systems is the B2B branch of, of Deutsche Telekom. So we, we're helping our customers, our clients, to with their digital journey, with their digital transformation. So we... We in cloud, we in IoT, um, we help them with the security efforts they have. Um, so this is main, mainly um, yeah, our task. And we have around 28,000 employees around the world. So as you mentioned, it's really an international business. Um, so we have customers in the US, we have customers uh, in Europe and also in Asia. And 
as far as your responsibility there, how long have you been at, at T Systems and and uh, you know mentioned the the website, the the social selling program, social media? Are, are your team primarily in Germany or are they distributed uh, around the world? No, they're distributed around the world. So um, I have a meanwhile I have a big team in India as well. So we have a lot of experts there. Um, helping with digital marketing. Um, some of my colleagues, of course, are based in Germany, some in Switzerland. Um, yeah, it's, it's all around the world. Um, and I'm really happy to work in this international environment and learn a lot of, of different cultures. So we'll get to this cultural point in a moment um, because I think it's really it's really interesting in the context of B2B and also in the international context. But you have been a B2B marketer for a long time. Um, and particularly a digital marketer in B2B. Do you think that marketing in a B2B landscape is more or less difficult than a business-to-consumer landscape? And 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 why do you think that? Well, the, the good thing is I didn't do only marketing in my career. Also, um, did, uh, sorry, not only marketing, only B2B marketing. I also did B2C marketing. So I used to work for a hotel brand, and this is more B2C. Um, so I had... Yeah, the view on both sides, also on B2B and B2C. And I think that B2B is a little bit more difficult because you have all these long decision cycles. You have more people to talk with. Um, you have a more nurturing stream you have to take care of. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit more difficult than compared to, for example, for buying shoes or for, for booking a hotel room, um, from my point of view. And also the cross and upselling, if you... I know if you buy shoes, maybe you need also um, sportswear with it, so it's easier for for cross selling. And but if you think about a really big investment, a million dollar investment in an IT landscape, it's hard to say, okay, and now you bought cloud, why not IoT on top? So I think this is a little bit difficult um, in the B two B in the B two B area. From my point of view. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, working in a technology landscape, you are selling to technologists. So you are, in fact, selling to people like Dan, which I can think of nothing worse than <laughs> having to do that for a career. But... Hey, I uh, agree with you, Nasser, for once. Wow. Oh, wow. I thought we were about to have pick on Dan Day, but he's all in. All right. I'm all in, yeah. yeah. I find it easier. If I just agree with him, he just goes away eventually. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so why why do you think Dan that um, the technologists are hard to sell to? Well, that's a good question. I mean, well, for once, uh, I, I I am the recipient of of many a cold email uh, in my capacity, and there's just there's a there's a tremendous volume of noise and solicitation uh, and making yourself stand out. Uh, you know. Uh, is is challenging for one not to mention the timing the need for that timing to be bang on where a contract is up for renewal and the the need is felt for uh, whatever the service is that you're looking for i find that there's sort of a perfect storm of opportunity that needs to collide uh and then um you've got to overcome those barriers and then behind my role as a technologist who deals with vendors and contracts i'm a human being i'm dan so i have my personal preferences and my way and the triggers that make me feel positive or negative about a potential vendor so it's 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 the same thing at the end of the day there's consumer-based 
uh, uh, triggers and, and variables. But on top of that, there's all of this commercial gateway stuff that needs to be penetrated. And I find that combining those two things <clears throat> must be is very challenging. And we know that from our own experience, Nasser, doing B2B programs and and how different and difficult they can be. Uh, and just uh, being on the other side of that table frequently, um, I, I, I see how it's so challenging for people. Yeah, I can see how just with that long-winded response, it would be hard to sell to Dan. Ooh, I just got on the the, the wow. dumb Dan train. I'm wow. usually not. What just happened, Dan? I'm sorry. I apologize. I feel bad. So it's birthday. It's breakfast birthday. Cake. Yeah, that's You're right. I'm all I'm all hopped yeah. up on birthday cake. So. Aside from selling to Dan, which we all have just realized is incredibly difficult, Bjorn, you listed a lot of things that make B2B marketing difficult, right? Longer sales cycle, more touch points, et cetera. What's, what makes B2B marketing the most challenging? Like, what's the biggest challenge for you and how do you overcome that? I think Dan mentioned already, so we, B2B doesn't mean boring to boring. It means really human <laughs> to human. So mm-hmm. we it's, it's like B2C from my point of view a little bit. So we must we must target the humans and not the companies. Uh, and then I, I saw a commercial on Christmas time from Home Service Now. I really liked this because they they talked about Center and how Center use Service Now for for their um, for the delivery and there was a CRM with all the information about the kids on it. So it's, it was more more human touch in it. And I think this is more um, where tech companies must 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 um, yeah go on from my point of view, and also AWS um, is doing commercial advertisement, and they they show the family using a BMW, and behind this W the BMW the uh, AWS technology is um, is underlying. So I think it's it's more we must more go in this direction of emotional um, conversation, and this is also related to systems. So we we had a campaign two years ago. And we we talked about the the missing T or the the, the T is missing in some um, some words like digitization. So and this digitization without T and T stands for two systems. Digitization doesn't make sense. So and then a lot of our employees started to shape the T in front of billboards. So they are the missing T. So the the employees are the, the missing the missing piece in uh, in this campaign. And this really went then a little bit viral. And this was more emotional. And at the end, we also won an AFI award for it. So I think yeah, the challenge is to be more human. I, I think that's a, that's a really important insight. Um, and it sits at the heart of B2B, successful B2B marketing. Because what, one of the things, and, and this is actually a bridge into a conversation around culture. When we think about B2B marketing traditionally, it tends to be a little dry. Right. And when it comes to digital marketing in particular, it tends to be um, often uh, it tends to lag uh, compared to B to C. But we forget that that people are human. And I, in addition to being a B to B buyer, I'm also a B to C buyer. And the last best experience that I had in a B2C context becomes my new baseline. It becomes my new benchmark. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to trust, for example, you mentioned AWS. If I'm going to trust Amazon with a $10 purchase of my own money and they give me an exceptional digital experience and then I go look for a B2B vendor for a service and it's a terrible service, am I really going to trust them for a million dollar 
decision that may affect and impact my career. Um, so I, I think that's a that's a fascinating insight here that that it sits at the heart of B two B marketing and, and building experiences that at the very least are as good as if not better than uh, consumer marketing experiences. So so one thing that I wanted to ask you and I mentioned culture because I think that that sits at the heart of the culture, Bjorn. A lot of B two B organizations are sales driven. Right. You know, there's trade shows and, and, and events and it tends to be driven that way. And marketing is often an afterthought. How do you go about changing that mindset culturally? Well, I think this this mindset is especially in, in large B2B organization, because if I look at startups, a smaller one, they're really cooperating each other. So I don't think this is there. But in large organization, I, I agree. Absolutely. And um, what what I figured out or what I realized in the last um, one and a half year now with the pandemic is um, that a lot of sellers or a lot of salespeople recognize that they need to do marketing for them because they don't have um, less airtime with their clients. So they need to be on social media and they need to um, talk about the company, about their products, about their service they offer. And they, yeah, they build up their personal brand. So currently they're doing marketing for themselves and I think this is a huge mind, mindset shift for every organization. And we supporting this with our social selling program, as you already mentioned, it's, it's also my, my area, my responsibility. And so we are providing our sellers, um, trainings on how to act on social media, how to set up their profile, how to post correctly, how to do really do social selling. So not be the, the Sammy, uh, the spammy Sammy. I'm on social media. Um, and, this is really something that getting more and more important in companies and bring also sales and digital marketing together. In addition to this, we started with our um, digital marketing sounding board. So we ask our sellers what they need from our website, what they need from, from our digital marketing and what they need from our um, customer perspective or so what are customers expecting um, from our digital marketing efforts. So this, these two, um, programs we started and um, it's it's going in the right direction I think well it's interesting because you mentioned the pandemic and of course the 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 common idea is that the pandemic has been a huge accelerant to digital marketing efforts so as this begins to wane in the background um, and things begin to go back to normal do you think that there are behaviors and mindsets um, that have changed permanently in B2B marketing and culturally inside of these larger organizations where people continue to see digital marketing at the center of that? Or or is it going to be like, yeah, no, no, let's just go back and, and do the things that we were doing before? No, I think this will change. Um, this will change absolutely. And um, <clears throat> I recently had a chat with our chief commercial officer and I said to him, what well, every seller have for a company car in, in Europe, it's, it's common to have a company car to visit the, the clients, but now they need more digital tools as well. Um, so they need a LinkedIn sales navigator to, to reach out their clients, to build up trust on social media and all this stuff. So I think, um, if the pandemic is over, hopefully there will be a kind of hybrid model more and more. So they will, of course, visit their clients. They will, of course, um, attend events. But they also um, will use the digital channels more often because you will save money with it. Um, you you have more airtime. Um, I mean, fifty percent of all time spending on on mobile devices is on social networks. 
I mean, there are the clients, so why not reaching out to them on, on social media? I think there will be a hybrid model. Bjorn, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the data and the measurement in a B2B perspective. And there's a couple different points I'd like to touch on just to get your perspective. Um, the first is obviously, uh, you know, understanding given the, the, the decision cycles and the number of different stakeholders, um, how, you know, how, when, when you think about building customer profiles and understanding customer data from a CRM perspective, how do you find that differs from the B2C space uh, and any of those tips and tricks that go into that? And then ultimately the downstream of that is how do you go about proving the effectiveness of the marketing efforts um, with respect to you know measurement framework and that type of thing. I wonder if you have any thoughts about those topics. Yeah, sure. So, of course, in digital marketing, we try, we try to track everything um, that's allowed, of course. Um, mm -hmm. In Europe, we have the strong GDPR um, regulation and other states, maybe it's a little bit more easier, but we try to track everything that's allowed. Um, also down the funnel, um, of course. Um, for sure, there is room for improvements. So especially in the, I mean, in the B2C area, you can you can track it from the first visit on the website or from the first click on a banner, um, then down the funnel to, to a purchase. And you, then you can send, um, I don't know, retargeting ads if the person didn't purchase and so on. And then you can also say, okay, we, we sold 1 million shoes due to this banner, for example. Of course. So this is in the, this is in the B2B area, a little bit more complicated. Um, because if there's a really big deal, um, there's a lot of, of, of course, salespeople involved. And then you need this, this connection between the salespeople and the digital marketing efforts. And at the end, you have a deal and you have a revenue behind it, but, um, you re don't really know what the trigger was on, on a digital marketing side. And currently we are working on, on our reverse engineering. So we try to figure out what are our big deals and then we reverse engineer the funnel and try to get to the to the channel that was responsible for this big deal wait 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 are you suggesting that these enterprise platforms that promise you that they can integrate all of this into a single platform between sales and marketing with full visibility of the pipeline maybe can't do everything that they say they can well i'm sure they can but um <laughs> as you mentioned at the beginning sales and marketing need to work closely together that this platform also work out so there must be a kind of feedback from sales to marketing okay now we get this this deal and the deal was worth i don't know one million or two million dollars and then we need to put this in the tool and the reverse engineer what funnel what what, what channel was responsible for it mm -hmm. so so the point about put this thing in the tool that's the critical yeah, piece. exactly oh, and, right. uh, every time when you have a human interface of course that's a critical part in it. <laughs> it, it and and much as we love our salespeople, it's not their strength right that's not what we're hired them for right just, while we're on the data topic if i i just wanted to, to go down a, another sort of angle here you know, lately we've been talking a lot about the changes in the third-party data landscape. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned privacy. Obviously, you're governed by GDPR and other privacy legislation, which is a big deal um, that we're quite familiar with. But uh, anyone listening to the show will understand we've been talking a lot about the changes coming in third-party data. How do you see those affecting your ability to you know, craft the right message to the right audience? And how reliant are you on those signals presently? 
I mean, we see in our web analytics tools that um, already nowadays we only get 50% of all the traffic um, tracked because there are a lot of people who are using app blockers and, and cookie blockers. So we, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to guess as well. Um, and I think it will be, yeah, I think there will be, we need to connect our data on our own. So we need to have login areas where our clients can log in and then we have first pretty first party data. And I recently thought about maybe this also will not happen because if really we work on a blockchain in the future mm-hmm. and our clients and also in the B2C area, the clients will only provide the data for only for this transaction and they don't, I don't have access to the data anymore. Um, then it will be really hard for digital marketing from my point of view. And then we are back to this times where we need to do a kind of marketing. Okay. I'm, I need to do marketing on tech sites because I guess my audience is on this tech site, tech websites, right? right? right. Um, and not where the people are really are. So, yeah. yeah. Jenny, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I've, I've just listening to this today and thinking about it. It appears, you know, B2B clients that we've dealt with in the past, they've just in, inherently been more first party data oriented yeah. out of the gate always. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's the B2C space that's so reliant on these third party data aggregators and audience management vendors. But when you talk to a B2B customer, the conversation is immediately first party related. So I wonder if they're going to feel this change less. Yeah, that that definitely stands to be seen because I think you know, a lot of a lot of the B two B sales cycle includes you know download this to get this information and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And already there you go, you've got that you've got that identifier. And right? they're building so, like complex organizational profiles and personas right. rather than individual ones, right. right? And how do we target the, the the community of decision makers at this organization? And you can't do that without having a great system to stitch together multiple first party signals. So um, yeah, maybe they're ahead of the game here. Yeah. to actually come back a little bit to this question that Nasser brought up about culture, Bjorn, because you said, yeah, the pandemic is going to change things and I think it will be forever changed. And I agree with you on that. But as a digital marketer, we have such a wealth of data about our customers and our prospects. And we know a lot and we have a lot of ideas and we think, oh, if only the organization would do X thing that I have learned from my marketing. So how do you actually go about bringing that information back and kind of changing how the broader organization reacts because of what we know from our marketing? Um, good question. So we recreated a culture of, first of all, of test and learn. So we, we tried out different things on the website, on our digital touch points, and then we use our data doing small experiences. Um, is it good? Is it not good? And we really are in this culture of, yeah, please, everybody test and learn. Mm. And then I think what's really important for digital marketing is to, to upskill um, every everybody's um, knowledge. For, um, so we we started with our, I mean, we are digital marketers, so we, we know how many tools are there outside, out, out of this world. So we I saw recently these um, this marketing technology landscape. Um, there are more of 8,000 different tools which marketeers can deal, deal with. So we started really to educate our people um, on these tools, what is out there in the world. Um, we created our internal digital marketing university at, at, at Systems Marketing. 
Um, hopefully I'm the kind of dean of it. So I'm organizing all the sessions um, for our employees. So we have lunch and learn sessions. We are inviting agencies talking about the latest trends in digital marketing. Um, today we had a session about Clubhouse. So what we mm. as the systems can do with Clubhouse, for example, um, is the latest announcement from Facebook that they have Facebook rooms, maybe the cafe nail for Clubhouse, or is there room for every every audio social network? So we are doing this. Um, we had sessions about artificial intelligence, about um, how to use data right, uh, about marketing automation, and then luckily the systems itself have a, a program or board. Um, Percipio from Skillsoft, and in this Percipio tool, um, we have a huge amount of books, so everybody can can read books, can listen to audiobooks. Um, also, Cruzera is integrated, and we provide every marketing or organization um, every Friday two hours to to learn on this platform and to upskill themselves. So this mm. is we are doing from a cultural perspective. It's really on on learning and to, on upskilling. Yeah, very cool. It's a culture mm-hmm. of continuous learning. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's critically important because, you know, it's not just when you think about a large organization um, and we think about where these types of initiatives fail. They don't fail because um, of the people who are doing the work and they're doing it poorly. They typically, especially in B2B organizations, fail because of leadership. And leadership is not necessarily bought in completely uh, into the concept. And often it's because of a lack of education uh, around how modern marketing works, how modern B2B marketing works and more progressive marketing works. Um, So it is fascinating the premium you guys have put on education. And as as I'm listening to this, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the fact that you are you lead the digital marketing function, but so much of your answer is focused on educating the rest of the organization who aren't necessarily even in the marketing function. Um, that that I think is is really insightful and, and fascinating, and it it kind of brings me to to my last question, um, which is how do you take that mindset? How do you take that approach? And do it on a global scale. So you operate on a global scale um, as a German-based company, uh, but with teams in across Europe and North America, Asia, and so on. What particular challenges do you face in that context, and, and how do you address them? Well, first of all, I love it. So there's no really a challenge because I love to have this international team, and we have this great exchange, and we everybody have diverse ideas to improve our marketing efforts so it's really really fruitful and i think for company like the systems this really helps um of course we have some challenges um i can give you some examples so i once had a discussion with the marketing team in in the us um because to be honest the most budget is spent in in europe um so for example uh, I know, Netherlands got the same amount of budget like like the U.S. And of course, um, the the um, responsible person in the U.S. said, "Well, Netherlands have only I know, 70 million people, and uh, I mean, in New York we have over 20 million people. So how we need to how we need to deal with this? How, right. how it'll work out?" Um, but the good thing is then they got creative. So they they worked on the targeting, they worked on the effectiveness of the campaigns. 
And this is really something I, I absolutely like. Um, another challenge is our, our tracking system. So we are German-based company. So at the systems, we are not allowed to use Google Analytics, um, but the rest of the world is doing it. So it's really hard to explain other countries that they need to use our own German tracking uh, web tracking system to, to do the reports. So this is also not so easy. I mean, it's basically the same, but it's based uh, on German on German servers. That's also the reason. And some things we do in Europe or in US is not allowed to do in Asia. Um, so um, yeah, it's every day I learn something new, the team is learning something new. But the good thing is, um, with this international team spirit, we always got a solution so far um, for a problem, and this is what I really like. So, so that's fascinating because you know the the technology differences I think are are ones where people instantly gravitate to, um, especially when we think about places like China, for example, with with almost a separate internet, right, <laughs> or different platforms and and, and so on, um, but. But do you find do you find that it's it's a good idea to provide teams with greater mm. independence and leeway? So you mentioned the U.S. team, and and because of budgeting reasons, they have to get more creative. They have to get better with their targeting. Um, do they like what is what is the relationship between the global direction and team, and then the local teams um, with their decision making capabilities? I would say we give the foundation and a little bit the, the frame set, but then in the local areas, they are really creative because they have the knowledge of the market, of the local market. And yeah, I, I think this is this is the success behind it, um, that we are good at the different markets um, to give the responsibility also to the market. Um, I had once a really good idea from the Netherlands. They, they did a video on YouTube um, and they used 5G to to pick a tattoo on a person so the tattoo I don't know who is calling master is sitting in another room like the person who got tattooed and with this with 5G the latency was so low that it was possible to tattoo this person and I never had this idea oh, wow. <laughs> it was a really great great example and yeah this is what's out of the creativity of, of the country so uh, mm -hmm. I think you have to you have to set up the foundation to provide the foundation so you have all the same technical foundation but then you have to um, rely on the creativity of the people in the country oh, trust the dutch to go there right yes, <laughs> <laughs> bjorn thank you very much for your time today it's been a pleasure thank you for giving us time out of your afternoon and your busy schedule uh from myself from jenna from dan we appreciate you joining us on Inside the Funnel. It was a pleasure, absolutely. Thanks so much, Bjorn. And thank you to our listeners. See you next time on Inside the Funnel. You've been listening to Inside the Funnel with Jenna Watson, Dan Temby, and Nasser Salul. Until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe, and connect with the AC wherever you see us online.